What's up, you guys? I'm happy to be back. It is week seven of the Sauce Lab podcast. Just recently culminated the first week of the 2021 NFL free agency, and I've got a lot to talk about. So I'm going to get right into things. I'm Today I'm going to be talking about my eight winners of free agency this week, my eight losers of free agency this week, and then I'm just going to be talking about some deals that I really liked and some deals that I really didn't. The winners and losers is more, I'm going to go more in depth on why some group or some person or some team did do better or worse, but the rest of them are more just going to be, I look at the exact numbers of the deal and I say, is this going to bite them in the ass or is this going to be a contract that we end up looking back and saying that's a steal? I'm going to start off with who I have as the free agency winners. At number one, I have the Denver Broncos, a team very, very young coming in with a lot of promise, had a fantastic free agency in my opinion. Three signings stand out in particular, one being the re-signing of Shelby Harris, the D-lineman. I think that he's extremely underrated in his own right, and the fact that they got him back for under 10 a year for three years really shores up that area. Uh, Justin Simmons, even though he was franchise-tagged, they got a deal done where he's getting 15 a year, and he's now going to be shoring up the secondary, which also added somebody. Uh, they got Kyle Fuller after he was cut from the Bears, surprisingly, making them what I consider to be probably the best secondary in the NFL now. Maybe the Rams still give them a run for their money, maybe the Dolphins, but with Kyle Fuller, a uh, healthy Bryce Callahan, they also got Ronald Darby, Michael Ojemudia is still there, I, they let go of Kareem Jackson, but I think Ojemudia might have safety flexibility. And now with Justin Simmons still back there, I really like where this team's secondary is going. Not to mention they retained or then kept Von Miller and restructured his contract. They obviously still have Bradley Chubb. They have a great interior. I think that they need some coverage linebackers in the draft or maybe even addresses still through the rest of free agency. But that defense is coming along very, very nicely. On the offense, they obviously still have Noah Fant, a receiving group that's Going up every single year, Jerry Judy, obviously rookie from last year, who's has many, many signs to break out this year. They sadly could not retain Philip Lindsay, but I think that that turns Melvin Gordon into a much bigger fantasy prospect and just a running back that can go back to his old Chargers days where he was the one getting the majority of the work. And the real question with this team is now, can Drew Locke get it done? I think that his clock has started. I know Daniel Jones has also. We'll get into that later. But the, the clock now, we don't have four or five years to progress a quarterback anymore. That's just how the NFL has progressed. And now it seems that Locke has Fant, Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Melvin, uh, Garrett Bowles really emerged. So he has the stuff around him that if he wanted to have that same Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes type breakout year, this is the year to do it. But I think that overall they made the right moves and they're in a fantastic spot for him to make that jump this year and contend to go to the playoffs for sure. Another winner that I have is the Patriots record this coming season. Uh, the reason why I didn't say the Patriots, you, you'll hear in a second, but i for one thing that I cannot argue is that whatever the numbers of the deal are, they added an elite pass rusher in Matt Judon from the Baltimore Ravens. They added two 
surely top 10 tight ends in Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry on similar deals. One for three, one for four. Jonu Smith for four years, Hunter Henry for three. They signed two receivers in uh, Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. They signed multiple veterans all over the defense, including Kyle Van Noy returning, uh, Henry Anderson, who feels very Patriots in his own right. A lot of players that truly will contribute to their record this year and Bill's final stint in New England. I do think that this will probably make them get the push that's necessary. I mean, people forget that even with one of the worst offenses of all time last year, the Patriots still went 7-9, and surprisingly. So I think that there's only room to grow and get better through this free agency class. I'm going to get into why it's not the Patriots as a whole later, but I cannot dispute that their record will definitely be going up, and I think that they will likely make the playoffs this coming year. Uh, The next winner that I have is the Browns' defense. Uh, I knew going into it that they really wouldn't want to tool the offense. I'm obsessed with the Browns' offense. I think that not only is it coached really well, but... They have a great starting quarterback and backup quarterback, great starting running back and backup running back. They're literally gaining a top 15 talent receiver in Odell Beckham Jr., who's coming back from injury, to team up with Jarvis Landry. They retained Rashad Higgins. Uh, They still have Hooper and Njoku and one of the best offensive lines, so the offense did not need any touching. But the defense added Troy Hill and John Johnson to... LA Rams players that were pivotal to their fantastic secondary as well. Secondary was definitely the thing that the Browns were weakest at, even though they did have Denzel Ward. Their safety play was horrendous, but they still have an incredible front seven. Miles Garrett's going to create pressure. And with Denzel Ward, Troy Hill, John Johnson, and Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit both coming back from injury. I think that this Brown secondary is going to be scary. So many players on that team are still so young, and I could really see a dynasty emerging. They made the right moves. Uh, They didn't need to make moves on offense, so they didn't make the right moves on offense, but they made the right moves on defense, and this team is really looking like it's going in a fantastic direction. The third winner is Leonard Will, or the fourth winner is Leonard Williams, the D lineman for the Giants. I put him here strictly because of the number that he got. He put them in a very strange situation where his first season with the Giants, he wasn't too productive, and then they franchise tagged him, and then he had his best season of his career, so they couldn't re franchise tag him. Well, they did, and then they ended up getting the deal done at 21 mil per year. I think that that was a bit much for who he is, only showing that he's had one year of extreme talent. And as a Jets fan, I know, though he did have quarterback pressures, he really was never the sack monster that he was thought up to be when he was the sixth pick in the draft years back. So only coming off one year with an 11 sack season, I don't disagree that he was the best player on their defense, but he got a payday and a half. So he's definitely happy about that. He's definitely a winner. Um, the next one, I have Justin Herbert, the young quarterback of the LA Chargers. I think that he definitely had a win in free agency. Uh, they got two great O-linemen in Matt Filer, that's the eh one, and then mostly is Corey Lindsley, the center coming from the Packers. 
who is going to make an extreme impact on an O-line that was shaky, to say the least. They were definitely not good, but I think that this is going to open up so much more time for Herbert to do the type of Mahomes things and run around the pocket and not have to be faced with pressure immediately. So overall, I just really like the moves that they made for that team and for the progression of Justin Herbert. I also expect him to have that same sort of jump year. I mean, he's definitely coming from a much better year than any of the other young quarterbacks that are supposedly might have a jump. Joe Burrow was injured. Locke really didn't have the production. Daniel Jones didn't really have the production. Him and Kyler are the two that I think that are going to have a huge jump but are already coming off great seasons. I think that he definitely won and he's only going to be better this coming season. My next winner is Robert Sala, the new head coach of the New York Jets. Uh, I did him specifically because he is a defensive-minded head coach, and the Jets really bolstered their front seven. It is looking very, very similar, and they're following the same formula that the 49ers did to go into the Super Bowl. They have John Franklin Myers, Foley Fatukasi, Quinnen Williams, obviously the former third pick. C.J. Mosley is still there manning the middle. And they just recently in free agency added Carl Lawson on three years, 15 per year, which I think is a fantastic deal. The He was second in the league in quarterback pressures. He is amazing at getting to the quarterback. The Jets haven't had an edge rusher like that in years or that I can even remember. So that was definitely a good signing to create some pressure for the quarterback that we really haven't had. And then they also signed Sheldon Rankins, a uh, D-tackle, who's faced some injury problems. But I think that if he can put the injuries behind him, this defense is shaping up to look very similar to DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. It, th- the pieces are there. I do definitely think that they need to improve their secondary. But re-signing Marcus May was also a big help. Or franchise tagging him. So we have him for now. And I think that... The Jets are just in a really great position to have a fantastic front seven that's going to create a lot of pressure and hopefully do something similar, whether it's this year, next year, the year after, to what the 49ers did and have a good enough front seven that creates, and it's the same dude that brought him there. He, he knows what he's doing. I really like the way that this team is going. For as much as they didn't sign a true number one receiver, I, I like the Corey Davis signing. It's good, but... I would have rathered, obviously, an Allen Robinson, a Chris Godwin, a Kenny Galladay. But I think that they did fantastic things on the defense, for sure. My next winner is I have the Washington football team. I just think that they made all the right moves in this free agency as well. This is another holistic team one. They signed Curtis Samuel, a do-it-all dual-threat running back. He was on my sleepers-to-watch list. And pairing him up with Terry McLaurin, former college teammates, I think that that is a nasty duo that is going to wreak havoc in the NFL. You guys know how I feel about the Washington football team if you listen to episode two where I said that they are really going to explode in the coming years. And I think that they did everything right to continue this uptick in success. They also signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, a veteran journeyman who, uh, if you are a fan of the NFL and you know who Fitzmagic is... He will come in and he is extremely talented. You're obviously going to get the lows of him that are the reason why he's bounced around so many teams and never really stayed, but the highs are so high that I think that that is a great signing. Maybe if it's a 
competition in camp between Fitzpatrick and Heineke, or even Fitzpatrick gets to mentor Heineke. I don't know a better mentor than somebody that's been on half of the teams in the entire league, so they know every type of scheme and everything that's coming. I really like that signing too. And just overall, they tooled the roster fantastically, and I think that they're still in this trend upwards. And then the last winner that I have is Patrick Peterson, the former cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals, signed to the Minnesota Vikings. And I think that this is a win less because Patrick Peterson is so good, but more because there is not a lot of cornerback depth in Minnesota. They have Cameron Dantzler, they have Mike Hughes, they have some, a lot of young guys who need development and need mentorship and Patrick Peterson's going to do exactly that while also probably being the cornerback one and they run a lot more zone I think that he said that he has safety flexibility if that's going to be better for his age just so that he doesn't need to like man up on the best corner or best receiver but it was really great for his career, and I think that he could have a very similar season to Richard Sherman when he came to the 49ers, obviously not going to the Super Bowl, but a veteran who looked like they were on the decline with their prior team goes to a new team as the one and ends up flourishing. I could really see something similar to that for Patrick Peterson. Now for my losers, I have number one is the Las Vegas Raiders. You knew it was coming. A team that has dismantled their entire offensive line. I really do believe that offensive line is the second most important thing in football behind the quarterback. And they went from a top five unit to a bottom five unit in three days. They traded Rodney Hudson. They traded Gabe Jackson. Richie Incognito has not re-signed. The only person that they've really retained on that line is Colton Miller, who's all right, but they have a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do, especially with a coach that is on the hot seat and a quarterback who is pretty average. He he has shown in the past that he's been a little bit above average, but in the last three years, and he was also pretty solid last year, but again, this is average. We're not talking anybody that's going to take a team and drive them down the field. They really didn't add anybody explosive at receiver, and then rather than adding more weapons, they signed Kenyon Drake, a pretty solid running back, to back up their young running back in Josh Jacobs, who they just drafted in the first round two years ago. It's a very baffling move. I assume that they'll now do a two-running-back backfield, which does work better in the NFL, but for where they're at, I'd so much rather them retain the offensive line, pay the people that need to be paid, and then keep Josh Jacobs, and even go Devontae Booker as a one-two punch, rather than signing Kenyon Drake to a deal that's probably too big, $11 million guaranteed for a running back. You know that I am not a fan of signing running backs to big money deals because they're so replaceable. I just don't really know the way that the Raiders are moving. And then on defense, they did not make nearly enough moves to bolster themselves up from the bottom five group that they had last year. I know that they signed Yannick Ngakwe, but Yannick Ngakwe has always been on a team. If you look back at his career, he was on the Saxonville defense with Calais Campbell and Telvin Smith and Miles Jack and all these incredible people on the defense, also creating room for him to do his thing. Then he went to the Ravens, or he went to the Vikings for a little bit, but on the Vikings, there was Everson Griffin and Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks and all these amazing pieces around him aka getting him more looks. And then he went to the Ravens with Calais Campbell and Matt Judon and Derek Wolf and 
Pernell McPhee and Patrick Queen and all these guys that also will open up room for him. But now he goes to the Raiders where their other rushers are who? Uh, Cleland Farrell, uh, Max Crosby, and no one really else. I, I don't see him having nearly the same production that he's had in the past. That contract will probably end up biting them in the ass. And I just don't see this team making any steps forward if anything they're now gonna regress to i think three four less wins and that could lead to the departure of both Derek carr and the departure of john gruden i i don't love any of the moves that they did my next loser is the new england patriots future uh (laughs) you guys are probably laughing i said patriots roster in the first one was the winner but the patriots future I just don't see these signings being players that are going to progress and eventually get so much better to a point when they can go back to... I know that they're obviously not going to recreate the dynasty that they had with Tom Brady, but I would have liked them to see... I would have liked to see them sign more short contracts for older players or longer ones for younger ones rather than like Matt Judon four years until he's 33. In that defensive scheme, I just don't see three years down the line when he's getting paid so much that being worthwhile and it's going to be something that they end up having to get off of. The Nelson Aguilar signing, that's two years and they went for him over other guys that they could have just improved so much more, but Nelson Aguilar, I feel like last year was really his ceiling, and I don't see him getting much better, especially with Cam Newton at quarterback. Like I said, I I can't argue that this year they probably will be better, but the amount of deals that they handed out that were long-term that I just don't feel comfortable with them progressing to anything better than they've already been is how I see that. The third loser is Juju Smith-Schuster, the receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who actually re-signed to the Steelers, and I have multiple reasons why this was a loss. More than the fact that he didn't get the market that he wanted, I I assume that he was coming into free agency, assuming that he'd get the 12 to 15 mil per year treatment that he would have gotten, say that he had entered free agency immediately after his breakout season with Antonio Brown on the other side, but after this most recent year, when he was nicked up and he was not having great yards per reception and he was only running short routes in a receiving room that was very crowded, he then came back to Pittsburgh on an only $8 million one-year deal on a prove-it deal but a place where I think it's going to be very hard for them to prove it because not only did they notice, and I think I really hope that Mike Tomlin is recognizing that they can't be such a pass-heavy offense and that they should revert more to the run a little bit, but their other two receivers that I think going into last year, Juju was the clear number one. Now Juju's the clear number two or three in my opinion. I think Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, both at a younger age, uh, faster, I just see the Steelers utilizing them more and them getting more receptions. I really hope that it's not a situation where Ben Roethlisberger is going to be forcing Juju the ball because he knows him and he needs to continue that same connection. But I just don't see Juju getting any bigger per, uh, production than he did this year. I actually see regression, and that's why he should assign with another team. I mean, the the other teams that were on his radar throughout free agency it was pretty quiet but I heard the Jets I heard the Eagles I heard the Ravens I heard the Chiefs those four teams Jets he would have been the number one or two option 
I think, I mean, obviously you could argue that Mims and Crowder, but I think that if they had signed Juju, then they would have cut Crowder, making him the two. I think that if he went to the Eagles, he would already get more touches than Fulgham or Rager or any of the other guys that they have there. I mean, Goddard's probably still the number one option, but he's a tight end. Uh, The Chiefs, though you won't be a number one, just being on a championship caliber roster will automatically get you more looks than being the third on an average uh, Steelers team. And then for the Ravens, I know they don't pass a lot, but he would be the clear number one most talented receiver on that team. And I think that the number one on a team where Lamar is progressing as a passer would be a lot better of a look than the Steelers where Ben Roethlisberger is regressing as a passer, as well as he's now buried in the depth chart. I I like James Washington, too, and I think that he should get more and more looks. So overall, I just don't really love anything about that signing. The fourth is the Tennessee Titans, a team that I love a lot, but really lost everyone this offseason. I think that it was just in a tight money cap situation in a weird year. They ended up not being able to retain Corey Davis, Jadavian Clowney. They had to cut Adoree Jackson. Uh, They luckily re-signed Jayon Brown on a very short deal, but still, uh, there were so many misses not not to mention Arthur Smith has left their offensive coordinator that led to their amazing play action offense and Derrick Henry has been rumbling and stumbling for two years and I think that it's around time when teams are going to start to figure it out oh I also forgot Johnny Smith he wasn't re-signed either I think he was a tight end on the rise too but the Titans just did not retain enough people Tannehill coming up with big money coming up Derrick Henry, if they start to figure him figure him out, then I could really see the Titans reverting. And, and they don't have a good defense. They really didn't last season, and they have only gotten worse this season. They obviously still have Kevin Byard, uh, Jonathan Simmons, but no one that is really eye-popping and let's double-team them type guys that I think that the Titans could see some real regression this coming year. Number five, I have the mid-tier running backs. This was very expected given my take on running backs in general, but people like Leonard Fournette, I know Chris Carson's uh, market, he eventually re-signed to the Seahawks, but his market never really came into anything. James Conner still has yet to be signed. There's so many running backs that are left on the market. The, The only one that really had a big payday was Kenyon Drake and Aaron Jones, both signing to stupid contracts that I don't agree with. So I think that that's the reason why like teams weren't really interested in these mid-level guys because they could just go draft one in late rounds like like they've done in previous years, but the the mid-tier running backs really have not gotten much market and that's why they're a loser. The sixth is Joe Burrow, a guy that I am very high on this coming season, but I was also with expectation that the Bengals would do a good job at retooling their offensive line and all their weapons around them. And rather than improving it, they did not add anybody on the offensive line. Obviously, they would have liked to get Lindsley or Tooney or Mitchell Schwartz is still obviously on the market, and that would be a fantastic signing for them. But no one at tight end, no one... They lost A.J. Green. I know that he didn't play a pivotal role last year, and I still think that it would have been Boyd and T. Higgins at the 1-2, and two, even if Green were to come back. But they lost him, and 
in a year when you know that now the way to do it is you get your quarterback on the rookie deal, you pay everybody around him, you get this amazing roster going, and you make the run while they're on that rookie contract. Uh, the time is ticking, and they have not done it yet. Obviously, there's still a lot of time to go, but it's putting him in a worse position than if he were to be on the Giants where they just added Kenny Galladay or the Broncos where Cortland Sutton's coming back and Jerry Judy's progressing and things like that. I just see not as much from the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Number seven is Bears fans. They're obviously very upset that they were not able to land Russell Wilson. And then immediately after they weren't able to land Russell Wilson, the trade details came out, which I just think is desperation and just them trying to say to their fans, like, hey, at least we tried. But ultimately, they ended up signing Andy Dalton as their quarterback. I definitely don't think Allen Robinson's too happy about that, who's only on the franchise tag. So... He'll probably be gone next year unless they can somehow formulate the Wilson trade or a Watson trade or some trade for another quarterback that could really make Robinson so happy to stay. But as of right now, they got Andy Dalton in the building. I hopefully, hopefully, hopefully think that they will create some competition, whether that's Sam Darnold, whether that's a late-round rookie. I don't see them taking a quarterback in the first round. I don't even know what quarterback would be available at 20. I think Mac Jones is now a top 15 lock. So I don't know who would even be available there for the Bears unless they wanted to like really reach and go Kellen Mond or something like that. But I think they are just in a very poor position with Nick Foles and Andy Dalton on the roster. They could have looked so much better, and instead they are now in this weird limbo, like I said before, and things aren't looking up. And then number eight, and my final loser, is the Sam Darnold trade market. Obviously, as teams are starting to claw for their new quarterback, every single team has came up with some answer, whether it's long-term or short-term. The Bears signed Andy Dalton. The Washington football team signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Colts traded for Carson Wentz. The Rams traded for Matt Stafford, the Lions got golf, like all these teams that would have had a QB vacancy are now sticking to their guy. It seems like the Niners are pretty stuck set on Jimmy Garoppolo, the Saints re-signed Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. So overall, it's slowly, surely going from what looked like it could have been a late first round pick to a mid second to now I think that it's either going to be a late second or an early third. I really, really hope that doesn't discourage the Jets to keep Sam Darnold. I think that you should still get him off your hands, and when you're at two and you have this situation where you can take a quarterback, you definitely do it no matter what the trade market's looking like. But it is obviously disappointing as a Jets fan seeing that we had this quote-unquote prize jewel that people around the NFL thought was going to be this player with so much potential left if he were to join a new organization. And now all these great organizations are already down set on their quarterback. So only time will tell. Obviously, I think that the Niners could still be in the market for it. Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger is getting very old. I think even the Patriots are a possibility. Cam Newton's still their quarterback, but I don't see that market formulating to a first-round pick any longer sadly. 
All right, and now I'm going to quickly rattle off some of my favorite deals from free agency and my least favorite deals. This one I'm going to try to do a lot quicker. There's a lot less analysis that goes into it. It's just deals that I think it was the right place, right time, right amount of money. So my favorite, I got Joe Tooney to the Kansas City Chiefs, 80 million, five years, 16 per. Uh, I think with, with their losses at tackle, Joe Tooney's obviously going to be a huge upgrade there. Romeo Aquara to the Detroit Lions, 39 mil for three years, 13 per. I think that he's still very young. They obviously need any talent that they can on that horrid defense. They have a very good defensive line. I'll give them that, but that's about it. So retaining him, I really like that move. Corey Lindsley to the Chargers, 62.5 million for five years. 12.5 per. I think that you could argue that he is the best center in football and to give a young developing quarterback, one of the best centers in football. There's nothing wrong with that. Offensive line is necessary and they got that done. John Johnson, the third to the Cleveland Browns for 33.75 mil for three years, 11.25 per. Uh, like I said before, the Browns secondary was one of the worst was the worst part of their game, their safety play especially, and they got a very underrated guy in John Johnson coming from the LA Rams. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson to the Vikings, 21 million, two years, 10.5 per. I really like this signing. It's just, he, he, I still don't think that he's hit his full potential. One of the best nose tackles in the league. Got him at a small price, in my opinion, and it's adding to a already pretty solid Minnesota Vikings front seven. It's gonna... With Michael Pierce there, I think that they're going to make some noise in that middle area. Shelby Harris to the Broncos, like I said earlier, I explained that. Uh, Hassan Reddick to the Carolina Panthers, $8 million one year. It's a prove-it deal just to see if those high sack numbers were really worth it, but you're adding him to a defense with Brian Burns and Yuturgros Matos and some great secondary pieces. I think that he could definitely get to the quarterback and prove that he is worth way more than $8 million. I, I mean, it'll all see on this year, but I think that that was a great deal, great amount of time, great team. Uh, Samson Ebucom to the Niners. Uh, they already they still have Dre Greenlaw, but I like this. He's a coverage linebacker, signed 12 mil, two years, six per. It's another rotational guy to add to a already stacked front seven. They have a fantastic defense, and I, I loved what he did in the Super Bowl, what he did on the Rams really through, throughout his entire tenure. Most recently, this last year, he was pretty underwhelming, but I think you put him in that system, and he'll definitely flourish. I liked Mike Hilton to the Bengals on 24 for four years. I've said it before, I think he's one of the best corners in the game. Very underrated, and to get him for four years, only six per, and he still really hasn't hit his ceiling. The Bengals definitely added some a really great piece to their low defense. I was a big fan of Jacoby Brissett to the Miami Dolphins, $5 million for one year. Uh, last year, they had Fitzpatrick in this, like, coming at the end role, which I don't think that Brissett's going to do that. I mean, he might do the same thing that he did in the Colts, which is he would do the running plays when they needed, like, a one-yard sneak or something. But it's just a very good backup for a quarterback that they don't know is 100% certain. So... Great deal there. Jamal Williams to the Lions. This is the only running back deal that I'm really loving. I think that Jamal Williams has a lot of untapped potential, and they only got him for one year, 3.75. I don't think that he's going to really split touches, but he'll definitely get some carries behind DeAndre Swift. I really like that deal. Justin Coleman to the Dolphins. This is a very underrated 
uh, corner from coming from the Detroit Lions, a slot guy. They already have such a stacked corner room, and they're only adding to it. Very low risk, high reward, uh, 2.75 mil for one year. And then lastly, I have Rashard Higgins to the Browns on a one-year deal. This is another prove-it deal. I know they have Odell coming back, but I really like what he did with that team before, so I think that he can continue to do the same this coming year. My least favorite deals... I did not love, and these are more for the money, not I don't like these players or I don't even like the fit. It's just the money is way too high for what they got and give it one to two years and they're going to be regretting it. Number one, Leonard Williams to the Giants, 21 per year. I just don't see him putting up 21 mil per year production for three years. Bud Dupree to the Titans, he's coming off a huge injury, so around 17 mil per year is a little bit much for him. I think it's a last-ditch effort by the Titans and is going to be something that they end up looking at and regretting. Uh, Leonard Floyd to the Rams, four years, 16 per. I think that he got so much of his production due to Aaron Donald and the amazing defense around him that he. I know that Aaron Donald is obviously still there, but it's a very replaceable thing. So to pay $16 million to a team that's already so strapped for cash is unnecessary and will end up biting them in the ass with the salary cap. I didn't like Trey Hendrickson to the Bengals for 15 per. I think that that's very similar to what Hassan Reddick was. And rather than getting the Hassan Reddick one-year prove-it deal, he got four years, 15 per, which is give it two years and he's going to be back down to five sacks per game. And they are going to be letting him go and saying that he is a nuisance to have on contract. Next is Nelson Aguilar to the Patriots. Two years, 22 mil. I mean, I don't hate that it's he's only there for two years, but 11 mil for who he is, seeing that Juju got eight. They signed him right out of the gate when the wide receiver market hadn't even formulated. Marvin Jones went for less. I like him more, and there's just better options on the table. Andy Dalton to the Bears for 10 million. He doesn't fit what they are. He, he isn't a stellar quarterback anymore and I know that it's only one year prove it but that's the last ditch hey we tried for Russell Wilson whatever I think it sucks uh Rayshon Jenkins to the Jaguars he's definitely an underrated player but four years nine per is something that I just don't see I don't see him being so much better than even like Ronnie Harrison who they let go of last year it's just an eh signing for way too long, for way too much for who he is. He's a decent role player, but not a $9 million. And $9 million at the safety position, too. That's Safeties don't get paid high, so I really don't get that. Also, Roy Roberts and Harris to the Jaguars, three years, eight per. I think this was just an example of they had some money and they needed to throw it at somebody and they did it at the wrong guy. Also, three years, uh, Roy Roberts and Harris was probably a downside of the Chicago Bears defense, not an upside. Like, he wasn't improving them. And with Khalil Mack there, he wasn't generating sacks that, like, were insane numbers. So, three years, eight per. I just don't love that deal. AJ Green to the Cardinals for one year. I like that it's one year, and I know that he will contribute to the locker room, but why? I, I'm a big Andy Isabella guy. I like Christian Kirk. They obviously still have DeAndre Hopkins. I know that they let go of Kenyon Drake, but I just don't see him being the 
one, two, or a three. I see him being the four, and if he had gone to another team, he could have probably been the two or the three and maybe try to rejuvenate his career. But here, he's just going to slide to the end of the depth chart, I assume, given his age, given that he hasn't had much production in previous years. Next is Kenyon Drake. I've talked about uh, don't pay running backs. The Raiders did. He's going from being the number one back to a number two. He's going to lose so much value as his own player. I mean, it's... I don't love it. And then lastly is Carlos Hyde to the Jaguars. That's three Jags coming in at the end. It's also very short, but just in a place where you didn't need to pay him. There's so many better backup running backs. Like, why Carlos Hyde? I I know that he's a veteran, but I don't think that he's, like, teaching James Robinson anything incredible. I I just don't love that signing either. But those are my opinions on free agency. I hope you guys liked it. I hope you guys enjoyed my insight on what is happening. I really do love this time because everyone has so much hope and I feel like every team has some bit of, oh, we can do this if we make these right moves, uh, except for the Bears and the Raiders. (laughs) But... I I love this time. I love the offseason, and I am so excited to get into the draft. Please tune in to next episode. Obviously, I am going to be announcing on Instagram the results of who's in the lead for my contest very soon. Feel free to check in on that, and make sure to keep listening, keep telling your friends. Have an amazing day, and see you next week with Free Agency Week 2. Peace!